Amen. I know that many of you know this, but Michael Koulianis is Benny Hinn's uh, son-in-law. Michael's married to Benny's daughter, and we all love Michael Koulianis. Brother Benny's had a tremendous ministry down through these many years, and um, I've never had him at my church because everywhere he goes, he goes mainly to auditoriums and fills those auditoriums up, and I've never had an auditorium big enough to accommodate him. So today, uh, he's going to be with Ward over in Pensacola. They're going to be doing some taping for God TV. So while he's here, he asked if he could come and see Church of His Presence. And I said, man, you tell me to come on over. Well, anyway, the thing, the thing that I look at whenever I have someone of the stature of Benny Hinn is the word stature. The Bible said that Jesus grew in stature and wisdom. It didn't mean that he grew from five foot eight to five foot ten. It meant that he, he grew in stature. There's a spiritual stature that people come into that God gives them where they reach a place and God gives them a voice and God gives them a platform and he, he causes them to be heard. And Benny Hinn is such a man, he's a man of stature. He's not only an evangelist to the world, he's not only an author, but he's a tremendous preacher. I've heard Benny Hinn preach many times. I used to watch him when he preached at his church in Orlando, and it was televised, and he was an excellent preacher. I'll never forget one of the series he preached was on the tabernacle, and it was just, it was mesmerizing. It was awesome. But I don't know if Benny knows this, I'm sure he probably doesn't, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but right before revival broke out of Brownsville, we had been praying so desperately. I was so desperate for God and I was so hungry. I was going after God with everything I knew to do. And um, I would get up in the wee hours of the morning and go to the church and pray, wouldn't even cut the lights on just cut the alarm off and go in there and pray for several hours and then go back home. And I was just going after God with all my might. And I was saying, Lord, I've got to have you. I've got to have you. So one morning I was dressed and I was walking through the den and I was going to get ready to go to work at Brownsville. And Benny was on and I, I think the name of his program was This Is Your Day. And it was back about a month, maybe six weeks, something like that. I can't remember exactly the time. But I was walking through the den, and I heard Benny Hinn say when I come through the hallway into the den, he said, and you, pastor. <laughs> he said, you have been praying for God to do something outstanding in your ministry and in your church. He said, you're weeks away. <laughs> I never forgot that. And he had that gold ring on you, that bishop's ring he wears, and he pointed at that camera and he said, you're weeks away. And I said, all right. <laughs> and you know what? He was right. He was right. It was just weeks away. But you know, the thing I like so much about Benny is I've respected him for years. I've respected his ministry. I've respected his person. 
But you know, he's like all of us. We've all made our mistakes. We all have made our share of mistakes, including yours truly. But the thing I like about him is when he makes a mistake, he's man enough to come back and say, I asked for forgiveness. I was wrong. And I heard him, I heard him speaking to a group of preachers one day and he took full responsibility for something. I can't remember now what it was actually, but he took full responsibility to it to the point that I thought, well, Benny, you know, man, that's enough. You don't, you've done it. You've done it enough. You don't have to do it anymore. But he just took it all the way to the ultimate taking responsibility. And that's the kind of man that God blesses. And you know, I believe this, and I speak this over him, I believe his best days may be ahead of him. Would you please welcome Benny Hinn. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, you're so kind, all of you. Please take your seats. I'm just so blessed to be with you and your pastor. You know, I thought I just met him for the first time today. And he said, no, he said, we actually had dinner back in 83 when I had black hair. (laughs) Anyways, it's so wonderful to be with you. My son-in-law, Michael, was telling me he was with you. Uh, a few months, right? A few months ago? Last year, last year. Well, he really was blessed when, when, when he came. And I don't know if you sweet people know that, it, that he's my son-in-law. Oh, okay. Well, he got saved in OCC when he was 12. And he would come wearing a white suit. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And I'd say, where are my boys? Where are my boys? And he'd come running, he and his cousin. And now he's married to my beautiful daughter, and they're doing a great job there in, uh, in Orlando. It's so nice to be with you. You are such a nice man. And I think you are not going to be... What a, I'm, I mean, I'm glad I'm here because I wanted to meet you for so long, and then it all came together with Ward. God bless Ward. He looks so good. By the way, which one, which one is your wife? Ward Simpson's wife. There she is, right there. Bless your heart. And, and, and your wife, Pastor, is a very elegant lady. That's so precious. Wow. Well, the Lord is so gracious to all of us, and what a precious Redeemer we have. Can we please throw him a kiss? Jesus, Jesus, how sweet the name. Well, I tell you what, I would love to just, let's all stand and just bless his name. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve, saints. Blessed be your name. Wonderful Jesus, wonderful Savior. Lord, we've come together today because we love you so much. You are our Redeemer.
our wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Holy and blessed you are. And precious, wonderful Heavenly Father, just to call you Heavenly Father, Amazing grace, truly, that we are your children. Who are we, Lord, to be called your children? Nothing but dust. And yet you've chosen us to be your children. Thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Where would we be without him? Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Oh, blessed Holy Ghost, we worship and adore you. You are God Almighty. You made Jesus more real to us than ourselves. Wonderful Lord, we give you praise. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I worship you, Lord. Lift your hands and love him, saints. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder, how great you are, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, Thy power throughout the universe display. If the voices says, then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great the Sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burdens gladly buried, he bled and died to take away my sin. Let's love him, saints. Then sings my soul, my Savior God. Thank you. 
Christ shall come with shouts of acclamations and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adorations and there proclaim my God how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great My soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, glorify Your name. come today to worship you, to honor you. To you belongs the glory. To you belongs all the honor, all the majesty and the praise. You are God and only you are God. And glory, glory, glory to the Lamb. Lift your hands and adore Him, saints, He's worthy.
this beautiful congregation bless this wonderful pastor dear pastor John and his wife and family and Lord I pray that this church will be used mightily mightily that millions will come to know you and love and follow you in your holy name Dearest Jesus, I pray one more prayer with all my heart. 
that not one of us, not one of us in this building or anyone watching around the world will stand ashamed on that day. We will all be pleasing in your sight. Our greatest desire, oh Lord, our greatest desire is that we might be accepted on that day. That we might be accepted in your presence. In your holy name, your word declares you're able to keep us from falling and to present us before your throne with joy, without blame and with joy. For you are the only wise God. To you be the glory. Jesus, precious Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord a beautiful hand of praise? Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want you to go with me to Hebrews 11. And I pray the Lord today is going to use His Word to really speak to you. Now, we're living, as you all know, in very dark days, and the church can never be in the dark. We are children of the light, and living for the Lord is the greatest thing any one of us can do. About five years ago, how many young people are here? All you young people, stand up, I want to see you. <laughs> young and hard, yes, brother, of course, yeah. No, seriously, all the young people, stand up. Come on, kids. All right. Now, I want you all to stretch your hands towards them. And say, Lord, protect them. Protect them now. And especially tomorrow. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. You know, I think I worry more about my grandkids now than about my kids because the future of this world is going to be real bad. Like worse than maybe you and I can even realize. And you know, I'm very, um, I'm very interested in what's happening today with the Jewish people because, and by the way, thank you for the flags. I see you love Israel. Um, th there's something happening today in Israel, and just before I, I minister the word, I want to tell you because I want you to see how close we are to the coming of the Lord. And one of the things people are not paying attention to is the fulfillment of Matthew 10, 23. Have you ever s seen that verse? Would you mind turning to it quick? We'll, we'll get back to Hebrews. In how many of you have your Bible? How many do not have a Bible? Never come to church without one. Well, the Lord said to his, to his apostles, 
he, he said, go preach the gospel. And before you're done, I'll be back. Can I read it to you? All right. Now this is like uh, one of those amazing uh, prophecies that would make no sense unless you knew what the Lord meant and unless you understood prophecy. So it says in verse 23, by the way, this is not my message. This is a, a warning, a warning to all of those of you who are slightly asleep in the spirit. You better wake up. Look, 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 let me just tell you something. Everything you do in this life will matter on that day. And you don't want to live your life and be rejected, do you? That's the scariest thing. To stand with a crowd that hears and say, I don't know you. Why live your life? Why live your life and be rejected by God? It's not, it's not worth it. And by, and by the way, just in case some of you question if there's a hell, there's a hell. And I don't want any of you going there. Be glad you're alive to make a decision. Millions in hell can never make that decision. It's too late for them to make any decisions. Do you realize how blessed you are to be alive to still have a choice? Wake up. We are so blessed to still have the ability to make a choice while millions, maybe way more than millions in hell who never have a chance to make a choice. In fact, it's over for them. Eternally. Eternally. I was preaching one time in Louisiana and I was going down the aisle and I was asking people, are you saved? Yes. Are you saved? Yes. Are you saved? Yes. Are you saved? Yes. And one guy said, no. And then he said, I don't believe in God. He was so arrogant. I don't believe in God. That was years ago. I was in my 20s. I don't remember how old I was. He said, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in the devil and I don't believe in heaven and I do not believe in hell. I said, you will when you get there. So, this is not the time to play games. You're, you're, you're all awake right now, right? It's not the time to play games. This is the time to be serious about eternity. Very serious about eternity. So, make sure your life is clean. And you're living holy for the Lord. And make sure the fire in your heart is real hot. Not lukewarm, because he'll reject you. So, we are closer today to the coming of the Lord than most people realize because of this prophecy I'm about to show you. It says, when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, now that word verily means pay attention. Verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over 
the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. In other words, you go preach the gospel. He was saying that to his disciples. You go preach the gospel, and before you're finished, I'll be back. Well, now wait a minute, wait a minute. Israel at that time had around a million people, a very small country, 300 something miles from north to south and 40 miles from east to west. Not that big. They could have finished the job real quick. What happened was 70 AD. In 70 AD, Rome destroyed Jerusalem. The Romans destroyed the temple. And when the Jewish people were dispersed a few years after that, the land was empty of Jews. Which means nobody could hear the gospel. No Jew heard the gospel for 2,000 years. So basically the clock stopped in 70 AD. So they began preaching and then the day of Pentecost came and they kept on preaching with intensity. But then it stopped a few years later. In 1948, the clock began to tick again. And Israel was restored. But the Jewish people, when they came back in 48 after the Holocaust, nobody wanted to hear the name Jesus. Why? Because the name of Jesus was connected to the enemies. Because the Jews were killed by the crusaders, by many Christians. Look what happened to them during the inquisitions, all that. And then finally, by the Nazis and the Russians before that, who, who killed Jews in Russia for being Christ killers. They were, they, they actually would say to them, You're, you are Christ killers, we're gonna kill you. So for 2,000 years, all the Jews heard is, Jesus is the enemy. They identified him with these Christians who were killing them. Nobody was ready to hear the gospel in 48. How many Christians lived in Israel, born, born again believers? In 1948, 30. How many? Three zero. That's it. That's a fact of history. 30 people, I'm talking about Jews, not Arabs now. 30 Jews inside Israel were born again in 1948. Think about that. Well, goodness gracious, what happened? Five years ago, how many years? Five years ago. For the first time in 2,000 years, that number began to grow. Jews began to evangelize Jews. Not Gentiles evangelizing Jews. Jews began to evangelize Jews. Today, over 50,000, over 50,000 Jews in Israel, real Israelis, and maybe the number could be a little higher than that, but over 50,000 are truly born again. This is from 30 people in 48 to 50,000 and more today. But here's the amazing thing. Wait, wait, wait. The Lord did not say in this verse, 
that they'll accept the gospel. He said, go preach it before you're done preaching it. There is a ministry in Israel today called One for Israel. Look it up on YouTube. One for Israel. There's another one called the Tree of Life. Now these are Jews. These are not Arabs. These are not Gentiles. These are not people from America or Canada or anywhere else. They are local sabras, they call them. Preaching the gospel. What is amazing is, this is going to shock you. Today there are 9 million Jews inside Israel. Close to 9 million. 8 something, whatever. And growing because of all the Jews now going, going back. Especially from Europe. These are true recorded numbers. True recorded numbers. That two-thirds, two-thirds of Israel has gone on their website. Two-thirds of the Israelis look at their website and they are on the news all, all the time. And the rabbi and those rabbis are attacking them publicly now. On the news. In other words, they are spreading the message that there are these Israelis who believe Jesus is Messiah. Lord, I'm so proud of you and God TV that you went in there. And, and you saw the, the opposition from the rabbis. But the rabbis are losing. Why? Because Israelis are saying, we don't want to listen to you anymore. They, they are saying, you've been lying to us for 2,000 years. Because these rabbis had such a control on the people. But nobody can control the Israelis now who can find the gospel on YouTube. And don't need the rabbis to tell them anything. And more Israelis are on social media than Americans. Per whatever, per whatever they say. More Israelis go online than Americans. So what is happening now, to my amazement, I never thought I'd see it. Churches are springing up everywhere in Israel. Classy, like this one here. This is classy, by the way. So what is this saying to me? Jesus is on his way back. Because he said, before you're done, I'll be back. Now wait a minute. Nine million people on social media. They don't, they don't even have to go to those villages anymore. All they do is tell these Israelis about the Lord on social media. It won't be long before they can all hear it. So, our time is almost gone. And we better wake up. So, five years ago, the Lord said something to me that was a shock. He said, uh, don't watch TV anymore. No, no, wait, wait. I'm, I'm sitting, you know, I, I've always loved history. So I'm sitting watching a program on Netflix. 
something to do with the Second World War, I don't remember. And the, and the Lord said, cancel Netflix. I canceled it. He said, cancel DirecTV. I did. He said, cancel all of them. Cable, I canceled it. If you come to my place today, you cannot watch TV. Because there's no way you can do it. I've never had such peace. Because I made a decision to really get to know my Redeemer through His Word. So I'm reading my Bible now, and this has been the last five years. It's changed my life. Three times a year, not just one time a year. I think that's a joke, by the way, about one time a year. I think we need to, we need to read that precious Word of God day and night. And I'm going to give you a little secret. Don't read chapters. Read thoughts. So what do you mean? Well, I mean like this. Genesis 1 to 11 is one thought. Is this Larry? Are you Larry? You look marvelous. I, I didn't even recognize you. God bless. He's on my board and I didn't even recognize him. <laughs> I didn't know you live here. Do you, do you live here? Well, dear Lord. Okay, I'll say hi to you again later. I thought I recognized. I thought I know that guy. He's on my board for goodness sake. So anyways, anyways, I read thoughts because when you read the Bible like that and you divide the Bible in thoughts, like in Genesis, 1 to 11 is the story of man, 12 to 24, Abraham, then Isaac, then in about, you know, chapter 28, Jacob, and you just go on from there and you'll be amazed how much your life will change. It's time to know our Savior and His mind. And I have another warning and then I'm done. Then I'll really get to my, to my message. Those of you who have not read the whole Bible are in danger. I'm going to repeat it. If, you have, if, if I should have you lift your hands, if I should, because I've done this before, but I don't want to embarrass you. If I should ask you, how many of you have not read the whole Bible? 80% of you would put your hands up. That's the average, Pastor. Maybe not in this church. 80% of people who say, I'm born again, have not read the whole Bible. And 40% of preachers. Now that's the biggest shock of all. Go check me out. It's out there. 40% of pastors have not read the whole Bible. I had a man with me. He's from Orlando. Big church. Big church. 5,000 seat church. Who was a friend of mine. Used to actually volunteer in our crusades. And he was dynamic. And one day I said, listen. I'm flying to Greece. Patmos, Greece. I'm going to do programs on the book of Revelation. Why don't you come with me? He said, fine. I said, and by the way, we'll also go to Israel. And he loved that because he had never been. So I took him to Israel from there to Greece. Now we're sitting in Patmos doing those programs. And it was tough even to be allowed to sit there in front of that cave because those Greek Orthodox priests were really mad. So we had to pay money. 
so they can keep us out there. So I'm sitting there, and there's Jeff Pittman and our camera crew. It took us hours to even get permission to do that. Now we're, we're taping. I, I did four programs, and that preacher said, not a word, not a word. Finally, I said, listen, uh, I paid your way here first class. I put you in a nice hotel. It's time to work. <laughs> he looks at me, he says, I know nothing about the book of Revelation. I was in shock. I said, what are you doing being a pastor? And then he got mad. Well, come on, he said. You're dealing with God's agenda for the ages. I deal with my, with my people's troubles. I said, what does that mean? He said, I have, he said, I don't have time to read the Bible. By this time, I got angry. I said, what did you say? He said, I read books to help my people with their troubles. I said, books on what? And then he told me some names. I didn't even recognize what books. I said, what other books of the Bible have you not read besides Revelation? And he told me, by, by the way, he had not read the book of Revelation. I said, what other books of the Bible have you not read? Well, he said, I read parts of Exodus and some of Leviticus. I said, listen. I said, Satan is waiting to destroy you. I said, the day will come when you are really at your weakest moment. He'll destroy you. And he kind of scoffed it off. That man went to New York, got on drugs, overdosed, and died. And I don't think he's in heaven. I hope I'm wrong. But see, we can't play games like that. Because the Word of God is our only weapon. So, my son-in-law, Michael, before he began Jesus' image, said to me, Hey, Bob, that's what he calls me. Give me the secret to longevity. I said, three things I can give you that will keep you there. Number one, build a reservoir of God's Word in your heart. So when the troubles come, you'll know where to go. And so number two, never leave your call. He said, why is that important? I said, because anything outside your call is sin. I said, Uzziah left his call, and what? He became a leper. Saul, same thing. He lost God's favor. I said, stay in the place God called you. Don't do anything else but what God called you. And I said, and number three, cling to Jesus. I said, and you can't do it without the word in you. And he took my advice, thank God. You see, the problem is, we think we can defeat the devil with the anointing. Wake up. You cannot defeat the devil with the anointing. Many have tried and have failed. How about Judas? He was anointed. Didn't work, did it? 
How about Balaam? He was, he was anointed. At the end, he got killed by the, by the Israelites for being involved in witchcraft. And Saul was, was anointed. And what happened to him? The devil got in him. Only the word can keep you. Are you listening? So, when the Lord in Matthew 12 said how demons go looking for vacancy. What are they looking for? What are they looking for? The, the gifts of the Spirit? No. The gifts will not protect you. You can speak in tongues all you want. And holler and shake. It's not going to work. Only the Bible. Only the Word. Get to know the Word. From Genesis to Revelation. Even the genealogies. I cry when I read the genealogies. Because I see the line of the Messiah. So wake up. Enough is enough. So now wait, wait. I'm going to say one more thing. That then I'm done with this. Satan came and tempted Jesus. Right? And the Lord used the word. Now, now watch. The devil comes, comes and says, if you are the son of God, hold it, hold it. A few days before that, God the Father said, this is my son. And I can assure you, the devil heard that one. Now, only days before, everybody heard, everybody in the spirit world heard, this is my son. The devil comes a few days later says, if you're the son, Jesus could have very easily said, weren't you there? <laughs> Didn't you hear God say, I am? Not one time. He said, it is written. What did the Lord show us? In that alone, he was saying, the word is more powerful than your experience. Because he had an experience. He, he heard God say, this is my son. But Jesus knew you cannot defeat Satan with your experience. That's right. That's right. Only with the Bible. And here's something quite amazing. Satan recognized the authority of the word. Satan recognized the authority of the Bible. If Satan recognizes the authority of the Bible, shame on the preachers that don't. Are you getting that? If Satan recognizes the authority of Scripture, how dare any man, any pastor, any preacher, or any Christian say, I don't know if I believe that. That's shame on them. I think that should, uh, I think you'll remember that one. The Word. That's all we have. The Word. That's it. Not emotions. Not woo stuff. The Word. So I'm going to give you a piece of counsel. Stop watching TV. And whatever you do. And get back into the Word. Because if you don't, you won't make heaven.
with all the experiences you've had and the anointing you felt, no good. The Bible. Okay, now that I've said that, I think you're ready. So let's go to Hebrews 11. Are you glad I talked to you like that? Because I love you, that's why. I love God's people. So this is talking about something very important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prepare you for heaven today. I'm going to prepare you for what? Heaven. You cannot be a mature Christian in this life until you start living for the next life. Now. I repeat. You cannot be strong in the Lord today or be a mature Christian today till today you start living for eternity. Meaning, you begin to live for the next life in this life. Then you'll grow up. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, verse 9, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles or in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builders and maker is God. Now this is a very interesting, amazing part. So look at me so I can explain. Abraham left a very rich life he had. He even had a nice house according to what they found in archaeology in that part of the world. So he leaves his home, not knowing where he's going. He decides to live in a tent rather than go back home to a nice house. Why? Because he was looking for a city. He was looking for a heavenly city. It's time you do that too. He was looking for a heavenly city whose builder and maker is God. In other words, he was living for eternity now. Now, in verse 13, it says something else. It says, these all died in faith. In other words, they didn't get there yet. They saw it by faith only. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And they were what? Persuaded of them. Assured. And they embraced them. They confessed that they were what? Strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I love what it says now. For they that say such things declared plainly what? They seek a country. We're not looking to stay here. We're seeking a country. A heavenly one. Verse 15. And truly, if they had been mindful, 
of the country they left, from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. In other words, they could have gone back home to that house they had. But no, verse 16, they desire a better country, a heavenly country. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Wow. I don't want the Lord to be ashamed of me or you. God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. Wow. So now, oh look at me a minute here. You're not citizens of America. Forget that. Your body is. But not you. Your citizenship is heavenly. You're an American physically. But this body is about to go back to dust. Your true citizenship is heavenly. You're not an American, Canadian, Australian, Japanese, whatever. You are a heavenly citizen. What are you? Your citizenship is in heaven. Where? You see, this life down here is just but a passing moment. And let me just uh, comfort you. You're not going to die. Only your body will. Don't cry over your tent. It's a tent. It's what? Say this. Point at yourself. Say this is my earth suit. I'm not going to cry over it. So be free from this earth suit. God is going to give you a brand new one that will never die. Now you all need to read and reread and reread and read again 2 Corinthians 5 that talks about the fact that God has prepared for you a brand new body. It will never grow old. So your loved ones in heaven are not dead. Don't even dare say that. Don't even... If you say my mom died, you insult the Bible. She's asleep. Jesus wouldn't even say Lazarus is dead. Till he had to explain it. He said he's asleep, he's asleep. And Paul says concerning them which are asleep. Asleep. Meaning the body is sleeping. Rex Humbard when he used to come to our crusades, would always preach in the morning. And he told us a story about this little boy who went to be with the Lord and the dad who was not a Christian. And the mom came to the funeral home and the father kissed the little boy and said, goodbye forever, son, goodbye forever. But the mom who was a Christian said, I'll see you in the morning, baby. That's the difference because it's our faith. It's our faith. And do you know 
that your loved ones know everything happening with you, read Philippians chapter 1 from verse 23 to 27. Not Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 has nothing to do with your loved ones. Cloud of Witnesses has to do with the great giants of the faith in chapter 11. But Paul talks about something amazing. He says, I'm between two decisions. I want to go be with the Lord better for me or stay with you better for you. But then he made an amazing statement in verse 27. He said, whether I go or stay, I'll know of your affairs. That's the closest, most clearest part of the Bible that says that they know what's going on. Comprende? Are you still awake? I'm really happy for you. Now, Abraham looking for a city. He wasn't thinking about his body going to the dust. And nah, he didn't even think about that. He, he wasn't looking for death or waiting for it. How sad people sit in, a, in these old uh, these, uh, homes, you know, whatever they call them, waiting to die. No, no, no. We're not looking for death. We're looking for a city. And in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about waiting to be free from this body. To be absent from the body. And then he'll be present with the Lord. Now, our goal is not earthly, it's heavenly. And we have to begin thinking that way. The Bible in 1 Peter 1.1 calls us strangers. To the strangers. Why? Well, because he was compelled by, by heavenly vision. Now, you all can tell right now. You all can tell what's going on in this, in this world. Every computer program recently that they've done on when will the earth blow up is 2040. All computers now are saying 2040 is when the world will end. According to, because what they put in there is weather changes and changes politically, da 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 da. And when they put all that together, they say that the earth will not go beyond 2040. And these are not Christians. They're just putting all the troubles together in a machine, and the machine says, that's all you have. Think about that. But we don't look to that. We look to the Word of God. And God's Word tells us clearly, clearly what to look for. One out of seven men in America reads the horoscope daily. One out of four women, every day, one in seven men, one in four women read the horoscope, wanting to know what's coming. And only 5% of what they read comes, comes through. How foolish. 
They believe in the horoscope and they will not even believe in the Bible or in God. They even deny him. Even the atheists read the horoscope. That shows you how blind blindness is in these men and women. While the Word of God, think down with me. 759 prophecies fulfilled already to the dot with 100% accuracy about this, the first coming of, of the Lord and the restoration of Israel. Not one prophecy was wrong. Get to know the Bible. Because this book will, will, will prepare you for heaven. I was saying earlier, you know, in Matthew 12, how the Lord said that demons look for vacancy. What, what are they looking for? They're looking for the word in you. Only the word will keep them out. They're not looking for the gifts. That's, that, that's a fact. They're, they're looking at how full are you of the word. And only that will keep them out. So if you have devils, don't look for a preacher to cast them out. Get the Bible in and they'll move out. Make no room. Are you people listening? Make no room for the devil with the word. Only the word will push him out. Make no room for him. That's what it says. Give no place to the devil. How? Not by talking in tongues all the time. The word of God. Only the word of God. Now the Bible tells us whether these scientists have done their thing or not. Who cares? But the Bible tells us this world is, a, is about to blow up. Look at Psalm 102. I mean, why be so attached to a place that's about to burn? I'm going to convince you today to be detached from earth. And become attached to heaven. Hallelujah. And when that happens, you'll be free from the fear of death. Because Jesus will take over your life. Of old, I'm reading verse 25 and 26, Psalm 1, 1 or 2. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou will endure. Hallelujah. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same. And thy years shall have no end. So think about this. That the Old Testament and the New Testament in Second Peter. Go with me to Second Peter chapter 3 verse 4. Old and New say the world we know today is about to burn up. It's about to change. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? 
For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. People are questioning even now the coming of, of the Lord, like just like it says here. For this, verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out, out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word, watch this, are kept in store, reserved unto what? Fire. Unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So this world will most certainly be destroyed. So what do we do? Well, we have to obey 1 John 2, 17. Because the only ones that will endure are those who do the will of God. It says in 1 John 2, 17, the world will pass away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. So the world is going to go bye-bye. And only those who do the will of God will abide forever. Say forever. Say, I'm not going away. I am forever. That's what the Bible says. If you do God's will. So, the world that we know will be destroyed. But those, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Those who live the Christian life as we should live it, have nothing to worry about. 1 Corinthians 7.31 says, And they that use this world as not abusing it for the fashion of this world, what? Passeth away. So only those who are living a Christian life will not pass away. Now, the minute you begin believing this and living it, the second you start living for heaven and detaching yourself from earth. Remember, remember, you cannot really be a Christian if you're entangled in the affairs of this life. Because Paul said to Timothy, a soldier of Jesus Christ cannot be entangled in the affairs of this life. So be free from politics. Be free from what's going on on the news. Don't even watch it. Look, it's, it's easy to know the headlines. Just do it on, on your phone and be, be done with it. That's what I do in the morning. I go to the post and I watch two apps only. The post from Jerusalem and CBN News. I'm done. How long, and how long does it take me? Ten minutes. Only if I really want to bother with it. Then at least I know something is blowing up around me, you know. Whatever. <laughs> then you have more time for the Lord. And young people, don't compete for more followers on Facebook or 
Instagram. Because you see, they're, they're committing suicide. Competing that somebody has more followers than they and they end up killing themselves. No, no, get in the Word. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Not Instagram, Instagram. It's all self. All self. Jesus said, if you really want to make heaven, you want to be a real Christian, deny self. Deny self means disconnect from your own desires and what the world wants you to do. You see, this world is always aiming to pull you back. Don't let them. It says, be not, because it's possible. Be not conformed to this world, because it, you can be. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, meaning the Word of God will renew you to where you'll not detach yourself from heavenly things. Now the Bible is very, very clear that when you start living this kind of life, things will happen. Because this puts humanity in two classes. Those who live to fulfill their own desires and end up destroyed. Or those who live to fulfill God's will and end up with a glorious tomorrow. So you have to choose. Now, when you make that decision, here's what the Bible tells us in 2 Peter. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 11, here's how this should affect us. Like, how does it affect you and me when, when we start thinking heavenly thinking and living for the next life in this life number one it says in 2nd Peter 3 11 seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved seeing that this world is about to blow up what manner of persons ought you to be? So he's asking the question. Seeing that the world is going to be dissolved, what kind of people should we be in all holy conduct? The old word is conversation or conduct or the way you live. And godliness. Looking for and hasting unto the coming day of the God, the coming days of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. For the first time since the Second World War, the world is talking about nuclear war again. The possibility of nuclear war. You have four nations today with their finger almost on the trigger. Four of them. Russia with the Ukraine. Iran, once they get the bomb, and they will. China, if Taiwan is taken over. 
and the U.S. that will have to retaliate. Only one of them will put an end to this world as we know it. Like that. So it's time to wake up and start regaining ground with God. How? You know how? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And then they can catch up with God and walk and not faint. It tells us, because walking is walking with God. So you wait upon the Lord. In prayer, he'll quicken you through his word. And then the winds of the Spirit will lift you to the right place. And you'll run to catch up with God. And then you'll walk with him. It all begins in your closet. In your quiet place. Jesus gave us a great secret when he said, go into your closet. Meaning, cut the world out. Recognize God's presence. Tell him, Lord, you're my delight. This is just for you now. Don't answer the phone. Don't Look, you cannot have, you cannot have divine communion and human communion at the same time. You must give God time and shut the world and the kids out. I'm preaching, young man, I am. I just hope you're listening. That is key. That is key. So what kind of life, it says, should we live? Number one, holy living. Because he says, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct? Living holy is a decision. And uh, you cannot live holy if you're too involved in this world. You, you, you just can't. Because it will pollute you in no time. We're not after knowledge. We're after the knowledge of God. The knowledge of Him. We want to know Him. Say the Lord. Now... Uh, um, how old are you? 23. You may ask one day, why was I born? Well, I'm going to tell you. You were not born to know your mother. Because one day she'll go and you won't be able to see her or talk to her. You were not born to know your father even your, your, your brothers or your friends who will only befriend you when they need you. You were born to know one person, Jesus. And if you live this life without meeting him, you're, you're, you're a failure. So all of us were born for one reason, to meet the man Christ Jesus. The Son of God. 
That is the reason for this life. Nothing more, nothing else. Think about the people you know who work so hard every day to make a living. They, they get up early in the morning. They rush to work. They come back exhausted and tired. They want to be left alone. They want to eat, have a little peace, go to sleep, and do, and do the same thing tomorrow. And then they all die. Even my dog has a better life than that. <laughs> I have two beautiful great things that my son has. He keeps them for me. Those dogs have nothing to worry about. They don't have to go and work. They don't have to look for money. They have no stress whatsoever, as long as we take care of them. They live a marvelous life because we take care of them. Those poor people out there, they work and work and work and die. No, 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 this is not the reason for this life. It's all about Jesus. If we do not meet the Lord, it would be better to not be born. Life without Him, I've said to the Lord many times, it's better to have not been born than to live without you. And I loved what Catherine Kuhlman would always say, the richest man without Jesus is poor. And the poorest man with Jesus is rich. Because that's what, it's, what life is, is all about. Living holy will guarantee I will see him. So give up all this stuff that's destroying you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody needs, needs, needs to hear this. So the second you say, Lord, I'm going to repent. That word repent, we need to hear it way more than we've had. You need to repent. Lord, I repent. And repent doesn't mean, Lord, I'm so sorry, and then do it again. Repent is a decision. A definite decision. You say, no more. No more. You turn and you say no to the devil. No to the world. Yes to Jesus. Only Jesus. And you'll see when you make that decision. Oh dear Lord. He'll become more real than your skin. Jesus is more real to me than my own life. And when I talk to him, I just want to go and be with him. Every day from 1.30 to 3 p.m., I'm locked up by myself. Sometimes two hours. Oh, dear Jesus. Where would I be without that beautiful time with the Lord? And then the peace that just literally, um, the Bible says, it passeth all understanding. It's like if the world blows up, let it blow up. <laughs> will keep your heart and mind. You know what people are doing today to, to get peace? All the drugs they take? 
messing up their life and then they die? And how sad, you know, you hear about a, a preacher in California who killed himself because he had mental trouble. Mental trouble, mental illness, he killed himself. I have the solution for those that have mental trouble. It's the Word of God. I promise you God's Word is healing all your flesh, including your head. Just read it. Just sit there and read that beautiful Word of God and let the Lord talk to you. And He will. And I promise you it's going to happen. Just don't rush. Don't you dare rush. Shut other things out of your life. Make time for the Lord. And then you'll see. He'll, he'll change you. You know, I discovered a secret. Would you like to know my secret? I wait till he quickens me. I don't utter a word till I'm quickened. Because it says in Psalm 80 verse, are, are you listening? In Psalm 80 verse 18 it says, quicken me and then I'll call on you. So don't start praying till he quickens your heart. And he quickens your heart when you are still. You know what still means? Quiet. Just quiet. You want to play some worship music? It's going to help you. It's not going to help God. It's going to help you. God doesn't need your worship tape. You need it. Just He'll quicken you. But then after, after a while, that worship tape actually becomes a distraction. And the Bible replaces all that. Because see, the Word quickens you way quicker than the tape. Now God will use that because He knows you need it. He'll quicken you along the way. But if you really want to be quickened, just sit very quietly and read the Word. And eventually, life will, 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 will come in. And you'll start talking to Him with pure honesty. And your prayer is borne by the Spirit. And the next thing you know, the tears will flow that become your language. And you walk out of that room, ah, ah, such peace, such joy, such strength. And holiness will follow. The second thing it says in this amazing verse, I'm still in Second, in second Peter 3. 12, it says, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. People who are living for the next life are looking for the coming of the Lord. Because you start looking for the coming of the, of, of the... It says, looking. Looking forward to that day. We are a looking people. Looking forward for the glorious appearing of our great God. Our blessed hope, it says in Titus 2. And number three, it says hasting unto the coming of the day means don't wait for zero hour to strike. Do your part. How? Tell your friends and family 
and loved ones about Jesus. Be a, be a soul winner. See, I want to, I, I came today, thank you, Greg, I came today to strengthen you and to turn your attention away from the world. Because heaven is waiting for you. That's our home. And our eternal home, amazingly, will not be heaven. It will be the earth again. Heaven is temporary. God is going to move out of heaven to live on earth. So you'll not be able to say, Our Father which art in heaven. He'll be our Father which art on earth. Ooh, I'm waiting for that day. Did you like that? Yeah. Heaven is, is only temporary, and then we're going to all come back to the earth with the, with the Lord. Reign a thousand years, and then God will make a brand new earth, and He Himself will dwell among us. What a day that will be. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that may, may shock you. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.19... I'm going to read it to you. I don't want to mess you up. But I want you to know something that is Bible. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. What does that mean? It means predestination. Now look, look, look at me. And pastor, I don't believe in, in uh, once saved, always saved. I believe we have a responsibility. So I believe in predestination, not predetermination. See, the, 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 there's a big difference between predestination means I have to choose to follow. God has chosen us before the foundation of the world, but yet we have to choose and say yes. That also means responsibility. But those who believe in predetermination say once saved, always saved. But that's dangerous because people now think they can live anywhere they want to live. We're responsible to live holy. And Jesus will never pull us, never push us. He says, follow me. The difference between the Lord and the devil is quite simple. Jesus leads, the devil pushes. Say that. So when, when you follow the Lord, you have the choice. You can follow or not follow. Yet the devil will push people. Because that's just the way it is. We must choose. And our choice is made. Mine is made and a lot of us, our choice is made. So we are the heavenly people rescued from the dominion of darkness. So now what do we do? 
what do you and I, where do we go from here? We go to 2 Corinthians 4.18 that says this. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Meaning, we have to change the way we see life. Now we have a heavenly vision. From this day on, I pray the Lord will give you a heavenly vision. You will see heaven rather than earth. You will start living for heaven rather than earth. While on earth, start living for heaven. Catherine Kuhlman said one day something powerful. She said, don't get to heaven and find out how much you missed on earth. In other words, start living today. Paul said he was caught by the heavenly vision. How beautiful. He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And finally, saints, the world is seeking to draw us back. It says so in Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world because they, 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 they want you back. No, no, no. We will be transformed rather than conformed to the world. Heaven. How sad. Abraham looked for a city. But Lot, but Lot looked for Sodom. And only Abraham's prayer saved him from that. Philippians 3, and I'm done. Because this is our life now. This is our life. This is our life. And then when you, when you, when you really start living for heaven, you really start singing, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. For real. You won't just sing it because somebody wrote it. Not as though, verse 12, Paul reached that place that he wants us all to reach. He says, not as though I had already attained. Other were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now please listen. When he wrote those words, he was sitting in prison in Rome, chained to a wall. He said, I want to apprehend Jesus like I'm apprehended by these chains. I want to capture him like I'm captured. What a powerful word. That I may apprehend that for which I'm apprehended. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I, 
I do. I have to forget the past. I have to reach forth to heaven. I press toward the mark. What is the mark? What is the goal? The goal is, the high calling is Jesus. That I may win the Lord. That I may gain the Lord. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. That's why I came today. I want you to be thus minded. Lord, I give you the praise. Lift your hands and thank him. Thank you, Jesus. You're all I need. You're all I need. You're all I need. Jesus, you're all I need. Tell him, says, You're all I need. You're all I need. Jesus, you're all. Lift your voice and tell him, you're all. You're all I need. Jesus. Can you stand and tell him? You're all, you're all I need. Jesus. I believe that was one of the most important messages we've ever heard here. I really do. I really mean that. You know, um, I want to um, tell you that I'm going to do something I've never done before. I don't think I've ever had a preacher come preach and I had a prophetic word for him. But while you were preaching, I heard a word as clear as I've ever heard anything in my life. I said, Lord... Man, I've never heard Benny Hinn like this. There's something new on him. What's going on with Benny? And the Lord said, I'm, he's going through a molting process, like an eagle. And I didn't even know about the molting process, so I had to call my guy down there and get him to look it up while he was preaching. That's what I was talking to him so much about. And here's what it said. The Lord said, I'm taking him through a molting process. It means to cast off an outer covering an eagle molts to replace old and injured feathers. The feathers act as an insulation and they're used for flight. A molting season for an eagle is when 
You're shedding the old, all of it. And your vision blurs. And when the vision comes back, you can look directly in the sun through a separate eyelid. And the, ble- uh, the beak and the talons break. They break off. It's the most painful time of an eagle's life. It's like a death process. And to the eagle, it seems like it's the end. But it's actually a renewal process that enables the eagle to lead a longer life and go to higher heights. I will mean it, thank you. Thank you. Am I, am I allowed, Pastor, to minister to the sick for a few moments that God will heal them? Lift, lift your, your hands one more time. You're all I need. Come on, let's tell him. You're all Jesus. Son of God, the great I am, Jesus, wonderful Savior.
to whisper now. sick in body place your hand on that sickness as I pray the Lord will touch you keep worshiping wonderful heavenly father Lord in Jesus name touch your people Heal your inheritance. I rebuke sickness. I rebuke disease and infirmity. In Jesus' name. Your word declares He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Chastise for our peace. With the stripes we are healed. Heal everyone calling upon your holy name. Everyone. In your mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands and receive that healing sense. His wonderful presence is here. Receive his healing touch. Receive now freely his wonderful power, his health. Lord God, remove that pain out of their body even while they're standing. Burn that disease out of their bodies in holy name. So many of you feel that beautiful touch. Some feel like a beautiful warmth. Others feel like a heavenly atmosphere around you. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Receive now. In his holy name, Jesus, precious Savior, begin to do what you are not able to do. If, you, if you've had pain in your, your body somewhere, just slowly and gently, just begin to move that area. And you'll see something's changed. Something's changing now. It's his wonderful power. Wonderful power. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Before I give the platform back to the pastor, it's time to surrender. And surrender is not just saying I surrender. Surrender is a divine, God-given decision that God has prepared you for.
to say, Lord, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I'm going to ask many of you today to do what I did. Just shut the world out. There's nothing there. Nothing in it. It's waste. It's time to just surrender to the Lord completely and totally where you immerse yourself in His Word. And you'll see that the amazing change will happen to you. So, I'm just going to go ahead and ask those of you that have been so connected to this world. Just say, I'm done with it. No more. To really, really die to self. And dying to self, that's Christianity. The Lord said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, carry his cross, which is death to the world and to our own desires, and follow me. That's simple. Once the Holy Spirit enables you, and God's blessed Holy Spirit is in this room to enable you to do that so simply. So those of you that really are struggling with bondage, no, no believer should ever be demon oppressed. Not one believer. Because we don't see it in the book of Acts. Not one of them was. It's because we we open doors, we allow the enemy to pollute our hearts and minds. So those of you that are really serious about this life, why don't you just come and stand, stand close by this platform and I'll pray for you. Just come out of your seats and come stand here. I'll pray with you. Thank you. Just, just come and stand here on the front, that's it. You may want to kneel, but I know there's not much carpet there. A life of complete dedication. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And Pastor, would you come with me, sir? These are your precious people, the precious sheep God has given you. Can we uh, give... The, the pastor and Mike. Oh, he has one. Thank you. And what I'm going to pray is what I asked God to do in my life. I said, Lord, give me a love I've never known for you. Give me a love because I can't on my own do it. I said, give me a love I've never had for you. Because it's born by the Spirit. And I said, Lord, inflame my heart with fire. The fire of love. And I want that fire, Lord, to burn eternally. Not just for this life. I'm going to pray that for you. Lord, give them a love for you they've never known. Jesus. 
given them a love they've never had. That they will love you with such loyalty, faithfulness, surrender. It will not be words anymore. It will be reality. That every day, your fire will burn in them. Your name would mean more to them than life itself. That your name and only your name would bring life and joy to them. And Lord, let that love be so deep, it will burn the world out. It will remove the world out of them. Because your fire not only purifies us, but it burns the world out of us. It consumes things that are not of you, Lord. Do it for each one of us. Give us eyes to see your beauty, your love, that we may be caught in the wonder of your person. And to minister to you, only to you, Lord. Your word declares how little Samuel ministered to you when he was so little. And if he could minister to you, Lord, so can we all minister to you. We're not interested as much in ministering to other people, even though we want to, we want to be used. Our greatest desire is to minister to you. Because when we minister to you, you'll use us. Burn everything out that the world has brought in our life. Destroy it. Destroy it. Whatever you hate in us, take it out and destroy it. We might be vessels of honor. In these last days, live every day a life of holiness and love. That you might be the love of our hearts, the love of our life. Give me the praise.